Hi, I'm Dale Sherbeck, and welcome to the HQ, a CHA Learning and Healthcare Can podcast serial where we dive into the healthcare issues and topics from the perspective of its people and discuss them with those that are leading in the health system. Together, we'll try to unpack these topics and learn what actions are being taken to innovatively solve them today. Over the past two years, we have been inundated with media about health and healthcare. During much of this time, it has focused on COVID-19, pandemic numbers reported daily, and ever-changing policies as our world and communities have grappled with containing the virus. But there was always another narrative running through this about the impact all of this was having on our healthcare system, and indeed many of the policies that have been developed over the past two years have been presented in terms of how we can protect our health system and facilities from becoming overwhelmed. Increasingly, this narrative has been morphing and moving away from the inanimate parts of the health system, away from discussions of PPE, beds, ventilators, and ICU capacity, to the impact all of this is having on the people who work in healthcare and the two-front crisis our system is facing. The health and wellness of these workers and the shortage of people who make and deliver our health system. The two issues are intricately linked, and by all accounts, they are not singular in their cause or solutions. Here on the HQ, I want to use this platform to look at things from different perspectives as we try to understand other facets that might not have been discussed. Consider, what is it like to be a healthcare leader during the pandemic? And when we talk about shortages of people, why are we talking about immigration and how it can help us out of this crisis within our own country? This is part two of our episode on the psychological wellness of leadership during the pandemic, where I've been speaking with Kristen Winter, Vice President of Human Resources, Workforce Optimization, and Leadership at Sunnybrook Health Science Centre in Toronto. In part one, Kristen has shared very candidly about what it's like to be a healthcare leader and especially a people leader during the pandemic and the impact it has had on her team and the way she leads. Let's pick up the conversation with her again where she answers the question about how she sees herself coming through this and back to normal. How do you see yourself coming through this, even personally, Kristen, um, taking care of yourself? Because I know, you know, from stories and conversations that we've had that, yes, you're, you're working there, you know, evenings, you're on, you know, on weekends, you're working on holidays, um, which doesn't make you a martyr, but it certainly makes you a human that's, you know, worked a lot. So how are you going to come back to normal? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. I'm not certain. Um, I, I, I certainly think that um, for me personally, uh, vacations uh, are, are super important. And I know that about myself. I know that I know myself well enough to know that, um, you know, I know when I need it. You know, I, I need a couple of days off. I know when I need to catch my break. And, um, you know, I, 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 again, I'm surrounded by amazing people that I can lean on to take the lead if I need to take a couple of days off. And um, so uh, I think, you know, taking, you know, I'll, I'll give you a really very specific example. I'm, I'm going to take Thursday and Friday of this week off and I'm going to take a long weekend and I'm going to do my best to disconnect as best as I possibly can. And my colleagues will be amazing and, and will incredibly be incredibly respectful of that. And I know that they will, um, you know, they, they have my back. So that's certainly helpful. Um, I'm in the process of planning a vacation for uh, August to get away for a couple of weeks and hopefully if all goes according to plan, um, you know, we're, as a family, we're going to go, uh, we're going to go away. 
So, you know, there's certainly, that certainly helps. Um, you know, I, I, I try to do things on the weekends, you know, where I may have to work for a few hours, but I am intentional about taking a break and going, you know, I have a dog and we like to hike. So I take him for a hike for a couple hours, again, sort of a seven kilometer walk in and I feel like, okay, like I had a bit of a break. Um, you know, I, uh, my oldest plays hockey and so getting out to watch her play, that's, that's definitely a part of it for sure. Like just getting a break and putting my phone in my pocket and, and not looking at it for that hour and a half. It sounds so insignificant, an hour and a half, that's nothing, but it, it makes a huge difference in my opinion. And um, so for me that works, but what I've really learned through this whole pandemic is it's not a one size fits all. And if my colleagues were listening to this, they'd laugh at me because they hear me say that all the time, but I think wellness isn't a one size fits all. So for somebody it's meditation. For somebody, it's a podcast, or for somebody, it's a book, or a puzzle, or a walk, or an exercise class, or getting to the gym. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's going out for a dinner with friends. Um, it 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 really is not a one size fits all. And so, I think the best advice that I have for people is to know, learn to know yourself, and learn to know where you get your positive energy from, and where. You get that positive energy, try to do as many opportunities to gain that as you can when you're not in the office or you're not at the hospital. Um, because I think I think that makes a huge difference. So whether it's, you know, spending time with your with your kids or your parents or other family or friends or or hiking or whatever, whatever the case may be, it's figuring out what brings it sounds kind of silly or cheesy maybe, but figuring out what brings you joy and figuring out how to slate that into your day. Um, and, uh, or your week or your weekend or whatever, whatever time you have, you have off figuring out how to push that into your day. It's the, the whole tidying thing, right? About getting rid of things that don't bring you joy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, trust me, it's way easier to say than it is to do. <laughs> and, um, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I am by no means perfect. <laughs> I am definitely a work in progress. You know, if I'm going to be really honest, like I love my job and I love what I get to do. And so um, sometimes what brings me joy is just pushing, you know, a COVID policy aside and getting into something that's like new or a way to do, you know, a celebration for staff or an award or getting into something that brings me joy, whether it's, um, you know, doing this podcast as an example. Like I knew that this would be something that I would thoroughly um enjoy doing so you know so saying yes to things that that uh, bring me joy even when it's at work it's uh I, like i said I, I love what i get to do so i'm and i don't just say that i actually genuinely mean that so being able to do things that bring me joy when i'm here um, i try to do as well yeah well i it comes through for sure and in, in terms of listening to you and and your you know your vulnerability and and instruct that you know here i'm talking to a healthcare leader who also you know effortlessly sort of moves into conversations about family and and the other parts of your personal life so you, would you say that i mean do you do you divide those two things is, is are they two different parts of your life or do you do they do they exist together all the time I mean, I think they have to exist all together all the time um, because, you know, the way social media is, um, I have teenagers, so they text me all day long. You know, I, I use the, um, I use the funny story in wave one, my son got a, got a lizard as a gift. Um, 
mainly because it was like pandemic guilt, I think. But uh, <laughs> I resisted getting him a lizard for 15 years. And then on his 15th birthday, I was like, oh, just give him a lizard. Um, and uh, and he texted me one day in wave one. He's like, mom, I've lost the lizard. And I was like, uh, like it's 10 o'clock and I'm in Toronto and I don't live in Toronto. So I'm like a 45 minute drive. I'm not driving it. I'm not getting in my car at 10 o'clock in the morning to drive back home to uh, find the lizard. So like, I, I think they have to exist together um, because the kids have that ability, particularly when they were online at school, well, online for school, cause they were at home. So they, you know, would, would think nothing of just texting me because they're at home. They think nothing of just texting me and being like, you have to find my lizard for me. Um, the lizard was found. It was in the cage. Um, so the problem was solved easily just with a little bit of mom creativity. I told him to uh, look a little deeper and he did. And, and Rusty the lizard was located safely. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, they, they have to exist. And I think, you know, uh, in the same, in the same way, like my, my oldest turned 16 during wave one of the pandemic. So it was like, okay, well, we're not having a sweet 16 birthday because we are in full blown lockdown. Like that was like a thousand percent lockdown. Like nothing was open, but the grocery store. Um, and so it was like, okay, so how do we, how do we figure this out? And so, you know, logging off my phone and, and disconnecting for 12 hours, which was a huge deal in wave one, um, to give her some sort of sense of like a pretend version of a, a normal birthday. Uh, so yeah, they have to exist together. And I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty transparent about that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an executive. I'm a healthcare worker. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Like, I'm a daughter. Um, so there was I'm a sister. So there's you know all these roles I play. And and you know when you're in healthcare, particularly during COVID, you get even and you have no clinical background. And to be clear, I have zero clinical background. Um, you get inundated with questions. Well, is this going to be over? When? And suddenly you're like this like infection prevention and control expert. So yeah, I think they have to, they have to live together at the same time. And, um, and some days you're a great parent, some days you're a great executive and some days you're neither. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge for sure, but you, you figure it, you figure it out, or I, I at least I, I think I have. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I share with both my kids the challenges of working. Um, I think it's important uh, for both of them to see their parents both working and navigating uh, life uh, in that way. And um, I think I'm a better parent because I work. So uh, I'm able to give both my kids uh, a, a line of sight into what it's like to be a leader, to be a female leader, um, but also to be a mom and to figure out how that all works at the same time. So yeah, I think they work together. Yeah, well, you're a role model. So <laughs> so and and uh, a living breathing example of you know what they can be and and the challenges how you overcome those things um so i mean speaking of challenges so i mean thinking back it's like what is it 2019 before there was something in the world called covid what was the biggest challenge that you as a healthcare leader or uh, uh, an hr leader was facing like what was what was the thing that you were trying to solve before all this happened oh my goodness you know i don't even know that i i know the answer to that question um you know i was only well i mean i was in a unique situation because i'd only been on the job for about a year when COVID hit well about a year and a half um so i was still sort of i would say in a way kind of 
finding my way as uh, I had been an executive in another hospital, but a significantly smaller hospital. So um, I was still sort of finding my way into the structure of Sunnybrook and, and what the organization was and, and what it stood for and navigating the complexities of having, you know, a, a very large uh, portfolio. Um, so, I mean, I think probably, um, probably the, the biggest challenges were uh certainly in the same way they are now recruiting and bringing staff in and, and retention, but in such a different way, in such a simpler way in, in a lot of respects. Um, How so? Uh, you know, I think, well, we didn't have the HHR crisis in the same manner as we do today because we didn't have the burnout that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, recruiting uh, was something that we always did, um, but not to the degree of, I would say, urgency, maybe is the best word, uh, mm-hmm. um, that we're doing today. Um, and I think back then we were, we were back then, I mean, it was two years ago. It sounds like I'm talking about the, the, uh, it's like 40 years ago, but I think, you know, it, it, in a way we did recruiting in a, in a more traditional way. So we, you know, we recruited people and we didn't think about things in a creative way. So, uh, as an example, we have sponsorships, and so the way it works is, um, if a, if a nurse joins our organization and they would like to do, uh, they'd like to be a nurse in critical care, uh, we they apply to, and um, if accepted, they become they go through a sponsorship program where they get extra education and then they get extra mentorship so that they're ready to to be a critical care nurse. And uh, the way we did it in 2019, um, you know, we ran so many sponsorships a year. Now we're doing you know, two and three times the number of sponsorships. So I would say, you know, and we were very traditional, you know, we would recruit them into these roles and um, they would stay as a frontline nurse for a year, maybe two, maybe even three before they would be eligible for a critical care sponsorship. And now we're looking at, well, do we need to, how long do we need to have them be a nurse before they go into this sponsorship? And so just changing and pushing the way we think in, in, I think, in some respects, the positive of COVID, if there is any, and I do think there are, to be honest, but I think one of the positives of COVID is forcing us to think differently. Like, hang on a second, let's think about this in a different way. That's the way we've always done it. Is that the right way to do it? And so I think from a recruitment perspective and a retention perspective, you know, hearing from our staff and understanding from our staff what they actually want and what that looks like and how can we make that happen. And um, I think we were a little, more apt to just sort of say, well, that's how we've always done it. And I think there, there is no, that's how we've always done it with COVID because there was never a, we've always done it that way because <laughs> everything was new. And so we've changed the way we think. And so now it's like, okay, let's think about this differently. Well, what about it this way? So I think, um, you know, I'm reading a book called the opposable mind right now. And, and, you know, it speaks to exactly that, like, thinking about a challenge in not a black and white manner, but in a way in which we can look at the problem and think and come up with a, a middle ground that appeases both sides, but thinks about it in a different way. So just thinking more creatively, I think is probably the, the answer to that. So flash forwarding to today, I mean, what's the, what's the burning issue that you're, you're dealing with? I mean, is, you, you've made some allusion to, you know, that you're still dealing with a, a, a health human resource, you know, shortage and challenge. But I mean, do you want to expand on that more or describe the, the, the big burning issue that you're dealing with today? 
Yeah, I think there's sort of probably two big issues that could be significantly broken down, and we could do a whole podcast on this one probably, but um, HHR, which is the, the gap in, in staffing um, in all levels and all areas, but, but um, in particular in our clinical roles, um, nurses, but also pharmacy and lab techs and, and the, the roles that have really been um, leaned on over the, over the pandemic, uh, pharmacy, obviously from the vaccine, labs, obviously because of testing, and then nurses because, you know, nurses uh, were caring for the patients. Um, but there are a number of other gaps as well. And, and I don't want to take away from, you know, the, the roles that our OTs and our PTs and our social workers and numbers of other members of our clinical teams um, and non-clinical teams provide. Um, but the gap uh, certainly from a, from a nursing perspective is quite significant. And, um, you know, couple that with the second sort of big issue, which is, um, I would say, burnout and um, retention. So those who may be eligible to retire because they're 55, but were planning on working till they were 60, that's a big factor. Um, leaving five years earlier than they were otherwise going to, or leaving the professional together because um, they're just, you know, tired and and looking to find a changing profession or or work somewhere else. Um, I think those are the two the two issues. So I worry about. Uh, I mean, I guess it's one big issue, really. It's HHR, but I worry about the health and well being of our people that are here, and I worry about how do we attract and retain, um, attract people to this organization, and then retain them, and and what do we need to do, you know? And it's it's funny. Um, we talk about you know various ways to um, retain our staff, and and I I made a sort of offhanded comment that seems to have gotten traction, which is you can't build a retention plan on free coffee and chocolate. And you really can't, you know, uh, if I ever write a book, that's going to be a chapter in it, but no, um, you really can't. Book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you really, uh, you really can't um, build a retention plan on, on free coffee and chocolate. It just doesn't work. You've got to figure out what it is that is, um, is speaking to the staff, whether it's flexible schedules. So you hear in my title, my title has workforce optimization. And, and, and that's really around understanding what the workforce needs, understanding their demands, um, uh, both at home and at, at the office or at, at the hospital. What did they need? How do we how do we work to give them what they need, but without compromising what we as an organization need and how do we care for our patients? So giving greater flexibility to scheduling, uh, being more accommodating in terms of what that schedule might look like. And, um, you know, so we're doing that kind of work. We're, we're looking at how we can um, give greater, uh, greater consistency um, to our staff, but also greater flexibility. And so I, I'd say like, you know, it's, it's a big bucket. HHR is a big, big bucket. And there's, it's a multi-pronged approach that you have to take. It's recruiting, it's retention, it's scheduling, it's looking at the data, it's understanding where where people are going, why are they leaving, you know, as simple as, you know, the exit interviews that we need to do to understand, you know, it's 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 finding out that somebody might potentially retire and looking at a, a way to build a mentorship program where they can be, you know, a, a late career nurse and provide mentorship to our uh, early nurses. It's looking at all that creativity and all of the ways we can, um, we can do HHR, um, that's very different than it was three years ago, because we're just having to think, you know, pardon the term, but outside the box um, all the time. Uh, so I'd say that that's the biggest burning platform. And there's multi-pronged um, 
components to HHR. Uh, but if I had to give you one word, it would be HHR. Okay, thank you. So um, in the context of, of all of that, um, you know, the challenges that you're facing, the burning platforms you're trying to undertake, I mean, there's a lot of time and energy being put into these things. Um, what's suffering as a result? Oh, um, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I would say, you know, truthfully, um, we're just doing everything. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that anything's suffering exactly or we nothing's dropped off i mean maybe what's suffering is our own wellness um mm -hmm. uh and our ability like i think about my hr team and their uh ability to you know navigate working with our staff uh across the organization when we redeployed them and moving them from one uh one area of the hospital to another when we when we did redeployment and that was that was work that didn't happen pre-covid and so now it's happening so what suffered as a result? Uh, nothing. They just did other things. Uh, they did other stuff as well. I mean, we we certainly um, you know took opportunities where we could to you know streamline processes to make things a little easier. But um, yeah, I don't necessarily know that I could pinpoint something specific that's suffering, other than I think um, maybe my maybe for me personally, maybe my lack of sleep. But uh, um, I, I I don't. Um, I don't really know that there's anything that's suffering exactly. I'm not close enough to the frontline nurses um, on a daily basis to give the answer that they would maybe give. Mm -hmm. um, but from a leadership perspective, um, the only thing that I genuinely worry about is the health and well-being of our people. I mean, not the only thing, obviously. There's lots of things I worry about. But I would say that the thing that when we talk about suffering, the thing that I worry about the most is the health and well-being of both our people um, and our leaders, and um, and and how do we and how do we make sure that they, you know, refill the energy pot uh, so that they can be able to give what they need to give when they're here, but also equally as important when they're at home. So, how does it express it in yourself personally? It's like, if you're tired, you're not getting enough sleep, you're not getting, you know, your vacation, you having to track down lizards and, you know, at odd <laughs> hours of the day, um, you know, how does, how does that come back to you as, you know, as, as Kristen and, and reflect itself in terms of your work or your relationships? Um, you know, I'm, I'm super conscientious about all of that. Um, and I, and I do have a tendency, uh, to, um, you know, it, to just call things when I need to call them. So if I'm having a if I'm having a grumpy day, or I feel like I'm you know I'm looking at something from the lens of an exhausted mind as opposed to a clear mind, I actually just own it. Um, I'm my my husband might not say this, but I I'm, I think I'm relatively self aware. Um, so I genuinely know when I'm having a day. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, both my kids play hockey. My son doesn't play anymore, but my, uh, uh, I learned the the most amazing thing um, in hockey, which is the 24 hour rule, uh, which is take 24 hours. So if I'm really frustrated by something, um, you know, this morning I got into my car and 
my daughter had left my gas tank literally on empty with the light flashing. And that's super, uh, super frustrating at six o'clock in the morning when I'm just trying to get to work and it's minus 25 degrees out. So, um, but you know what? I just like, I, I texted my husband and had a good rant. Um, but uh, I waited a good, I, I didn't wait the 24 hours because I, I we do live in the same house, so I can't exactly wait 24 hours. But I did wait a good few hours before I texted her and I was like, listen. <laughs> and I did it in a really kind of casual way, but I, and I didn't get mad. I just, you know, she's, She's 17, so she's relatively new at this whole driving thing. So I just said, listen, next time you're going to take the car for the day, please make sure that you at least put some gas in there so that I have enough to get to work, even if I don't have enough to get home. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty self-aware. So I do try to uh, acknowledge when I'm having a day. And like I said earlier on, and I really can't reiterate this enough, I have amazing colleagues that I get to work with every day and who I can be myself with. And so if I'm having a day and it's just not a great day, I can say that to them. And they're like, okay, how can we help? What can we do? Take a deep breath, you know, send me send me a funny, a funny joke or a tweet or whatever the case may be. Like, I'm really, really fortunate. I'm surrounded by amazing people, um, my family, my friends, my colleagues, both in this in in Sunnybrook, but also I have really really amazing colleagues in the health system that you know I can rely on, and I think that that's been super helpful and super important for me and for my own wellness and my own my own mental wellness for sure. Yeah, maybe we need a, a code Oscar or something that we can declare <laughs> when we we're having one of those days. But uh, but yeah, I, I think through a lot of what you've been talking about here today. Um, you know, and I've reflected on it as well during um, during COVID. That one of the one of the things that COVID has given us is the is the facility or the a recognition for the need for connection and working together. Um, that we can't do it to can't do it alone, and and not only that, we're interconnected because that's how the virus is spreading. So we really do have to work collaboratively. Um, so I mean, I think it's great that you have a, a team that you you trust with and 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 have that connection with, where you can work together in this uh, really really positive, amazing way. So maybe just as we get set to close, then Kristen, I mean, looking beyond the pandemic, what will we need to do to support leaders to get back to health? Um, I think you know, I think the best thing we can do is to make sure that we give them space to take the time that they need uh, and whatever that may look like and, and give them a sense of, um, for lack of a better word, I think permission. Uh, I think one of the things that I've done over the course of the pandemic is sort of own it. So I've said to my staff, um, look like leave early or, or take that day off or, uh, you know, make sure that you've got, you know, some time, um, you know, at whatever at this break or that break, or, you know, I've, I have staff, uh, direct reports, uh, many of which have very young kids. And so saying to them, uh, and, and we're lucky in that, like my immediate team, for example, my immediate team of leaders, we, we work in a, in a situation where, um, they're not caring for patients, obviously. So they have the they have a little bit more flexibility in their calendars and their schedules. And although they work incredibly hard, there's some flexibility to you know on Wednesdays to leave at four to get their you know kid to Taekwondo class. And so I think you know that for me has been a big factor in giving people a sense of um, permission to you know incorporate as as we talked about earlier, incorporate their their personal life with their work life and figure out where the balance is. And I think that 
that is a tremendous level of stress when you've got, you know, competing, whether it's you've got elder parents that have to be cared for or, you know, small children or, or in my case, teenagers that leave gas tanks empty. You've <laughs> had to give them that. You've got to give everybody an opportunity to be themselves. So I think that's a big, a big factor. Um, and then, you, you know, you alluded to it, like vacation is huge. We need to figure out how we can, um, uh, you know, give give people the space and the time to not just take time off, but to fully disconnect. And we're really lucky at Sunnybrook because we are so big. And so, and so while we are big and we are complicated and that comes with a series of challenges, it all, it also comes with um, people that you can lean on to cover for you when you take some time off. And I think that that's a huge, um, that's a huge factor. And so holding people accountable. So I, uh, I did this last summer. Uh, I held each of my leaders accountable for telling me when they were going to take time off. And I, you know, last, last, sorry, not last winter, last summer, you know, last summer we didn't have the COVID numbers. Um, and so it was a little bit calmer, if you will, and a little bit more settled. And so uh, I made sure that each of, inclu- myself included, um, I made sure each of, of my uh, members of my team was taking at least a week off. Um, I myself was uh, took two full weeks off. We went we went traveling within Canada. I used it as an opportunity to teach my kids that Canada has more than just the province of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we um, we went out to out to the west coast and we spent two full weeks out west. And I really disconnected. Uh, and I think um, you know really just giving everybody. I think you role model that as a leader, um, but you also give people, when you, when you role model it, you give people permission to not feel guilty by taking time off. And I think that that's vitally important. Yeah, we did the same. We went, went to saw the East coast and, and, but yeah, it's a, a place to, to reconnect in that, in other ways. So it's really key. For sure. For sure. So uh, thank you, Kristen. I really appreciate you taking the time with us here today. Uh, you've been so generous and so candid. Uh, and I certainly reflect on the adage that you can't really know a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Um, and so I don't think that we we can't help but learn and, and understand and think a little bit more about what it's like to be a health leader today, having you know spent here. Uh, this time walking in your shoes and and hearing from you. So thank you very much. Um, And, you know, take care. Best of luck. Thanks. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to the HQ and I'm Dale Sherback, your host. You can find this and other future episodes on the CHA Learning website, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think. So please follow us on our other social media channels. Thanks for joining us in this discussion today. Please join us next time.